Thank you, Novo. Uh, that was a great reading of the scripture. You know, when you read the, the, the Bible, and especially the Gospels, you have to read it in that way. It's like Shakespeare. It, you really do. You got to put like, like the, 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 the accents in the, in, the, in the right places, and you got to give passion and like you know, zeal in certain places where it needs to be. And when you read it like that, it really comes together. Thank you for reading it like that. No, what that really was, it, it was powerful. When the word of God is spoken, it is powerful. Uh, my name is Pastor Caleb. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm a campus pastor here at New Philadelphia Church Seaside along with my wife, Pastor Mina. And this is going to be my third Easter Sunday sermon that I preached in my life. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And this is also the third uh, year of our ministry here in Seaside, here in Busan. Uh, we came here in 2012, in January, and we opened... Our, we started our church planning in April of 2012, and my first time to preach was actually at Hill at a Sea Cloud Hotel on Easter Sunday. I remember it was my first time to preach at uh, New Philly Seaside, and it was to give the Easter message. Uh, some people don't like the word Easter because it actually comes from a pagan word, so a lot of people say Resurrection Day, and it's a good it's a good interpretation of what it is. You know, when I was young, I grew up with Easter. As everybody said Easter, so I just, you know, I tend to say Easter. So I don't think there's, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying Easter. Um, you know, I was, we had Easter Sunday, we had an Easter celebration kind of thing. I'm a, kidding, I'm a kindergarten teacher. I teach seven-year-olds, so American six-year-olds. And they're really cute. And then they're, they're actually the oldest one in my school. So they're starting to, like, understand and realize things. That uh, the, like the really baby, our real babies. We have we have babies in our school that are two years old. They're mad little, and their mom drops them off, and they're like, ah! And they fart everywhere, and they poo everywhere. Um, and then we have two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. We have a four-year-old class. We have a five-year-old class. I used to teach six-year-olds, and now I teach seven-year-olds. And so now seven-year-olds, they're like at this age where they're starting to understand and really kind of realize certain things about around them. And so we, you know, and our, our uh, Wanjang Nim, our, our, the owner of our Hagwon, was saying, oh, you know, we should have an Easter Day thing. And so she gave us eggs to color and, you know, made little bunny hats for the kids. And I was doing it. And then in my class, I just asked my kids, they're like, do you know what Easter is? And they're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, do you know who Jesus is? And I said it in Korean, yes, with Nim. And they're like, Duh? And then I kind of explained to him in, in the best way I can. I said, Jesus is God, and he died, and he rose again on this day. And I try to explain it to him the best I can. And when I asked, do you, so do you know what Easter is? One of the kids said, birthday. And they all started saying, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I was like, all right, they don't get it. But actually, when I kind of thought about it, and I kind of like, kind of, it really is a birthday. It really is. In their own infantile way, it came at the heart of what Resurrection Day is for us. It's the day of our new birth. It is a birthday of our salvation. It is the day that anyone and everyone that puts their hope in Christ Jesus is born again. It is a powerful day. Now, when we look at the life and ministry of Christ, it's, it's, it's amazing and it's fascinating. At the age of 30, he chose 12 disciples to follow him. And he traveled for three years throughout the land of Galilee, Samaria, and Judea, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. If we did this in today's time, people would think that we're crazy. Just walking around. You want to learn something? Come here. Follow me. He was preaching about the kingdom of God. It's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I am the true vine. Abide in me and I in you. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. This is what he preached. But not only that, he did miracles. He turned water into wine. He fed 5,000 people with some bread and some fish. He walked on water. He quieted the storm. But mostly he healed people. 
casted demons out of people, brought joy and freedom into people's lives that he encountered out of the love he had for them. And they began to follow him, first by the thousands, no, first by the hundreds, then by the thousands. Many believed that he was a prophet sent by God. Some, including some of his disciples, actually believed that he was the Messiah. But not in the way that we know the Messiah to be. They thought that he would be a political leader, the new king of Israel, that would free them from their Roman oppressors and reestablish the kingdom of Israel or their understanding of the kingdom of God. Thousands began to follow him. They didn't know who he was exactly. They didn't really care to know. They just knew that he was special. And throughout his ministry, and more so as his time drew near, he revealed to his disciples his call to death and resurrection. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. They're like, now why is Jesus saying that? I know he's a carpenter, but he can't build a temple in three days. He said, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He's saying he's going to be eaten by fish? Near the end, he straight up told them. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he goes on, he says, see, we are going to Jerusalem. We're on our way. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And as he enters Jerusalem, he's riding on a donkey. According to the prophecy, the crowd that followed, they took palm leaves. And we're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. However, the Jewish high priests, when they saw this, and the elders of the people, they were enraged. How dare he calls himself the Son of God. This is blasphemy. This went against everything that they've learned, everything that they've studied throughout their whole entire lives. Pharisees and Sadducees, you see, they were angry. And they made a plot to arrest and kill Jesus. And for 30 pieces of silver, they tricked Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus, one of him. He, Judas walked with them, ate with them. He heard, he sat at Jesus' feet. But it was all according to prophecy. All this, Jesus knew that it would happen. He knew that he would be arrested, humiliated. He knew the cup before him that he had to bear. But he chose to do it anyways. He didn't have divine power to not feel this pain. To numb him from the pain. He knew that he would feel every pain, every anguish. But he chose to do it anyway. For you and for me. He knew it. And yet he went forward. He was beaten. He was whipped to an inch of his life. They use a whip. It's called a cat of nine tails. I think. <laughs> and it's basically used. Not just to whip. But when you pull it away. It rips skin off your back. And they beat you 39 times. Because accordingly if you do it 40 times. You die. And he placed the crown above his head as he beat him down. And blood flew down, flowed down his face. They spit on him. And they gave him a cross, a tree to carry up a hill. And when he fell and he couldn't carry it any longer, a man named Simon of Cyrene was pressed upon to carry his cross for him. He was dragged up that hill. He laid on that cross. You know, the Romans had conquered most of the known world at this time. And in their conquest, they had learned a lot about inflicting pain and anguish upon people. They had learned about torture. And the Roman cross was not 
only the most painful way to die, but it was the most humiliating way to die. It wasn't meant to kill you, it was meant to torture you until you basically begged for death. And as they drove those nine-inch nails into the wrists and into the ankles, because you see, you can't pierce a man by his hands and have him hang up there. He'll just fall off. And so they go in between the bones. And they hang him up on that cross. With every pounding, like the hammer pounding that you hear downstairs, (laughs) blinding pain and anguish, jarring every bone in his body. And they raise him up on that cross, his weight putting pressure upon his lungs, in agonizing pain to breathe, he had to lift himself up upon the points of where he was pierced just to breathe. And every time he took a breath, pain, blinding pain, excruciating and torturous pain, jolted through his body. And in his anguish, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not just the pain of crucifixion, but it was the weight of the sin of man upon his shoulders. It was, it was the being separated from the Father. And after hours of being tortured on that cross, Jesus cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he takes his last breath. Before he says, he says, it is finished. And he gives up his spirit. How does Jesus? And I want you guys to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you guys to meditate upon the death of Jesus Christ. He is dead. He wasn't spared at the last moment. He died. Where we are supposed to go when we die in sin is where He is. And I want you to get a fresh revelation of His death. Being separated from the Father... The weight of the sin of man upon him. This is a cross that Christ had to bear. And I want you guys to open your eyes. And I want you guys to know when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, our sins died with him upon that cross. Our old self died with him upon that cross. Every simple thing that you've done or you will ever do in your life, died with him upon that cross. Caleb, the drug addict, died with him upon that cross. That is the revelation of his death. And now here's the second part and the main part of my sermon today. But our revelation of Jesus Christ can't be solely based upon His death. Our sins died with Him. But you know what? We are alive with Him in His resurrection. Amen. The life we have from now into eternity is not based just on His death, but it's based on the fact that He rose again from the dead. He is risen. Our sins are not only forgiven, but we have victory over sin because He is risen. Because He has risen, death has no power over us. It's because He is risen. I want you guys to tell your neighbor. Look to your neighbor and say, He is risen. He has risen. He has conquered death. The angels say, why do you seek the living living among the dead? Jesus is alive. But the crazy thing about it is, not only has, has he risen from the dead, but the true revelation that we have to hold on to when it comes to Easter, when it comes to re- the resurrection day, is that he is still alive today. 
in bodily form. He is alive. He isn't a ghost floating up in heaven. He is a man. He's a Jew. Rob, you're here. You're a Jew. There's a Jewish man seated at the right hand of God. He has a beard. He has hairs on his arms. Because a lot of Jews, they have hairs on their arms. He's not that tall. The, no, no, I'm not saying that Jewish people are short. The average height back then, they were not that tall. He may not be that good looking. Because it says in Isaiah, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He wasn't that good looking. He wasn't like noble. <laughs> and, and although no one knows what Jesus looks like, let me tell you, he is alive right now. And he is glorious. And it's the revelation of this man, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive right now, as we speak, is this revelation that makes all the difference. Our salvation, our eternal life, is based on a relationship with a person that is alive. He is alive. He is rooting for you. He is praying for you. He is guiding you. He is directing you. And he is longing for a relationship with you. We may not be able to see him, but he is with us. And we may not be able to see him, we can feel him. We have to have a revelation of and believe in the resurrection or the person of Jesus Christ. He is alive. Not just the revelation of his life on earth, not just the revelation of his death, which is pivotal, but in his life right now. He's alive. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. God with us. He's not some force that's up in the heavens. But he is a person. And he is longing for a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to encounter you. When we read Luke 24... The woman that went to anoint Jesus with spices, the two men on the road to Emmaus, even the 11 disciples themselves, they knew Jesus Christ. They had walked with him. They had talked with him. They had been taught by him. They ate with him. They sat at his feet. Jesus had told them in person on many occasions that he would die, that he would rise from the dead in three days. And they had actually seen this man die. Just like he had told them. And yet, these people were so close to him, had a revelation of his life and death, but not of his resurrection. They didn't have a revelation of the resurrected Christ. These women, so devoted, so devoted, that they could barely wait for the sun to rise to go and anoint his body with spices. It was like before dawn. They couldn't wait. They were so devoted. And yet, as they were walking to, 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 to Jesus, they were walking to a dead man. And they approached him as a dead man in a tomb. And as these women realize that Jesus has been raised from the dead, they run to tell the others, and the very apostles themselves, in verse 11, think that the news is being rant- is a rantings of a crazy woman. And it wasn't until Jesus himself, in his resurrected state, appeared to them and showed them his nail marks that they actually believed. And you might be saying, well, if the disciples themselves who walked with him and talked with him had to have him appear to them for them to get this revelation of a resurrected Christ, what chance do I have? What chance do I have? Have this revelation. How how is it going to mean something to me when I can't see him? He actually he he doesn't appear to us in person. How are we to have this revelation of the resurrected Christ? And I believe the answer to this is given to us by the account of the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. 
He's walking. These guys are walking. They're headed to a, a small, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. This small village named Emmaus. And as they're talking, they're talking about what happened. Their, their Lord, their Jesus, had, had, had been crucified and is dead. And people are saying, well, yeah, his, his, his grave is empty. Yeah, no one has seen him. And they're just, they're just talking. They're like, man. And they're depressed. They're in mourning. And Jesus himself appears to them. But you know what does he do? He hides his face. It says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I believe that this is a divine thing. God is showing us something here. Very key. Jesus kept them from recognizing him. And he's like, man, what's up? Why are you guys so depressed? Why are you guys, what are you talking about? He's saying, what things? What, what are these things that you talk of? And they explain to him about Jesus, about him. And how he died. And, and how their hopes have been dashed. And he says, Oh foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. He gave them a Bible study class. He opened up the scriptures. And he said, Look. Look, look, just look. He starts showing them every instance where the, the, the scriptures are pointing to Jesus. Every time that, that in, in any, any part of scripture, he's opening it up from Moses to David to every, all the prophets. He's like, you know what? It's all pointing to Jesus. And then he does something very, very interesting. It says, I love this. It says, so that they drew near the village to which we were going. He acted as if he were going farther. He acted like he was, he was like, all right. And he wanted to see if these people were actually going to invite him in. He wanted to see if they wanted more. He's like, right, I, I gave you the, I, I want to know. He's like, I want to know if he wants more. I want to know if they want more. They don't know it's Jesus. It's a test. And they say, all right, come, stay with us, for it's towards the evening, and the day is, is not far spent. And so they went in. When he was at the table with them, he looked to them. He looked to them, and he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. He didn't say, ah, it's me. They're like, oh, snap, it's Jesus. <laughs> and you know what? Instantly he disappears. Why? Why does he do it? Why doesn't he say, ah, it's me. Thought I was dead. No, he disappears. Why? Why does he do that? His face from the, he hid his face from then until they recognized him. He disappears. God is showing us that we can know the resurrected Christ and feel him without seeing him. He, they didn't need him to say, this is me. They, it came, they, they, it dawned on him. It was through the scriptures. As they were reading the scriptures, and as they were finding Jesus in the scriptures, they're like, it dawned on him. He was, he was revealed to them by their knowledge of the scriptures. That's a powerful thing. He didn't need to say, ah, ta-da, it's me. Nice to meet you. Let's have some bread. He didn't have, he didn't have to do that. Because he says, immediately he vanished. It was, and this is put, this is the only instance of this in the, in the, in the, in the gospels is in Luke. And I believe it's here to show us that we can have a revelation of the resurrected Christ without, without seeing him in person. We don't have to prove that he, he was real. There's people, some Christians, they want to, they need to prove that Christ rose from the dead. They need to, they need to see that they need to, they talk about the, the shroud of Turin and the, the clothes, the clothes that he was buried in and the cave. They, no. It's nowhere in the says, it says in the Bible, prove that I resurrected. He says, believe that I resurrected. And we come to that belief through this, through the word of God. He's saying we can, we can know the resurrected Christ and feel him without seeing him. 
And it's by prayerfully searching His Word. He is the Word. He is the Logos. And when we search for Him, and when we do find Him, and we do recognize Him, you know what will happen? Our hearts will burn. Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? When you get a full revelation of the resurrected Christ, your heart burns for Him. Your heart burns for Him. Many of us believe in Jesus, what He did, that He died for our sins. But our belief needs to grow into a full understanding and revelation of the resurrected person of Jesus Christ who is alive right now. He's saying, I am here. You can find me as you search for me with all your heart. Now I want you guys to turn to Jeremiah 29. I want to show you something. So many babies. That's a blessing. Man. We had we had no babies, and we had one baby. And now we have four babies, multiplying. I want you to turn to Je- Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for w- welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. He's talking about Israel here, but he's also talking about us. When we seek the Lord, when we seek after the Lord in His Word, when we go after Him, like we go after food, (laughs) when we go after it, like sometimes we go after a relationship. When you start dating, man, you're going to do anything for your your girlfriend. You will go far. You'll, You'll drive 10 miles to buy her that donut that she wants. If you go after the person of Christ that is in this book and you go after him with all of your heart, you, he, he will be found by you. And there is a promise that he puts here. There is a promise. There's a promise of the resurrection. When you get a full res- revelation of the resurrected person of Christ, of Christ Jesus, and that, resurre- that, that revelation is real in your life, and you start to live your life through the revelation of this resurrection, there's a promise here. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Brothers and sisters, our belief, a lot of us, there was a time in my life where I believed in Jesus. But I didn't know who he was. I believed in Jesus. But I didn't really bother to really find out what he was. It was childlike faith. Yes, it gets me into heaven. It does. Your childlike faith will get you into heaven. But let me tell you, God does not want you to remain in that place. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to start looking for and coming after Him. Remember in the road to Emmaus? He said, he, he acted like He was going to go further. He was, he was saying, if they, are they going to, do they want more? Are they going to come after me for more? And God is saying, come after me. I am here. You, 
I, you can find me in this thing, in, in this word. I am here. The, the person, the resurrected person of Christ, who is real, that Jewish man that hung upon that cross, he's alive. And you know what? If you want to experience him, if you want to know him, right here. Go after him here. He's saying, go after me here. Search the scriptures. He's saying, did not our hearts burn? Brothers and sisters, when you go after God like that, when you go after Jesus like that, you will burn. Some of us here, you know, you guys see us have ministry time, and some people cry. And you see just, just lives transform so quickly. They have had a revelation of the person of Christ. The other answer on how we can know the resurrected Christ is through His Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. And it says in John that the Spirit is constantly bearing witness about Jesus. The Spirit of God, if He's in you, He's constantly pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. He points to Jesus who was, who points to Jesus who is now, and He points to Jesus who is to come. It's the Word of God, the power of His Holy Spirit that brings us into the knowledge of Him. Now on this Easter Sunday, I want you to go after a fresh revelation of this resurrected person of Jesus Christ. He's not only was real, but He is real. Right now. The power of the resurrection is not solely on the fact that He resurrected, but on the truth that He is alive today. Not only is He alive, but He is with you. He loves you. He prays for you. He testifies on your behalf. When the, when the, when the devil points and says, guilty, he says, no, he's not guilty because he has my blood. I pay that price. He's right now, he's a person. He, he does that for us. He says that you are covered by his blood. He's with you every step. And he wants and is he wants to be active in your life. And he's saying, search for me. And he gives us this manual. And say, you will find me. Like I said, some people think with, with, with Easter, with the resurrection, they feel like, man, they have to prove the resurrection. They have to prove the resurrection. To tell... For non-believers and, and, and for themselves, they have to prove the resurrections. But he says, he never says, prove my resurrection. He tells us to believe. And he rebukes the disciples because they didn't believe. It's a step of faith. And as we believe, we have to go after him in his word and in his spirit. And we, as we seek the face of Jesus, he will be found by us. And he, will be, he will be found by you. And you will realize just how close he is to you. He is not this far off like, entity in the universe that, that thinks nice things about you. No, he's right here. When you close your eyes, it's a split second to see Jesus. You know that? Sometimes when I'm in trouble and when I'm in, in like, I feel like I don't feel good. I'm a pastor and there's times where I feel like condemnation on me. I let, the, I let the enemy speak things into my life. I, I hear his lies, and I feel like, I feel far from God. I feel far from Jesus, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I feel so far from you. But you know what? It only takes a second to turn to him and see him. He's that close to you. You don't have to get all dolled up, put on your suit, start praying and, and reading the Bible. Of course, that's good, but he's close to you. If you seek it, if you spend a life running after him, you're going to realize how close he is to you. He is not far, but he's right in front of you. 
When we get a revelation of the realness of Christ, it transforms our lives. You know, when I first came to Korea, man, I was jacked up. I was messed up. And I was in bondage to sin. I had so massive depression on me. I was hooked on alcohol and drugs and cigarettes. All anything, anything bad that you can think about. I, I was man. And, and, and I was not in a good place emotionally, mentally. I had bad self-esteem. I had shame on me. When I, I went to church, I couldn't, couldn't sit there. I, I had to leave. The minute that the benediction was over, I <laughs> saw a picture of me on the wall. I'd be gone. But you know what? As I started to go after God and I started to really, because I knew I was a Christian. I believed in him. You know, I, I, when I was young, I believed. I remember, I said, God, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. But I went through this, this long period of rebellion. I rebelled. I rebelled against God. There was, a, there was a, this demonic spirit of rebellion that was on me. I ran from God. I'm like, God, I'm going I'm to try to go as far as away from you as I possibly can and see what happens. You know what happens? If you're a believer and you try to run, as fast as you can away from God. You know what happened? Eventually, it's like a rubber band stuck to you. <laughs> it brings you right back. Seriously, man. I mean, I'm thinking, if you're saved right now, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not telling you to go and rebel and just see if it's true. But I'm telling you, man, those, there's people, they rebel and they run. And, and sometimes I look at lives like, yeah, I used to be a Christian, but, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking, there's a rubber band on your back. And as that rubber band gets tighter and tighter, it's going to bring you right back. But man, I was, I, was, I was in rebellion. But you know what? As I started to go after God, I started coming to JSCM back then. New Philly was called JSCM. It was Cherry Sungdo English Ministry. We changed it because nobody knew what JSCM meant. And I, and I started going to a Bible study. I started going to a small group. And I started to allow people in my community into my life. And I started to, to really go into the Word of God. And I, I, I allowed relationships to speak into my life regarding the Word of God. And I started to go after Christ, the person of Christ. You know what happened? I got a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. One night I was praying, and I was like, I was like Lord, Jesus, I know you're alive. I know you're alive. And you know what I saw? I saw muscles. I don't know why. I saw muscles. And I mentioned it earlier. I saw hairy arms. And I, 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 could, I could sense this person. This person is Jesus. And as I was praying and I was going after him, I realized every stupid mistake that I made, every bad decision that I made, every time that I did something to run away from God, you know what? He was with me. The person of Christ was with me. He never left me. He won't leave you. He can't leave you because he's Jesus. If your blood is on him and you have faith in him, he can't, he won't leave you. And it was that revelation, it was that revelation of knowing the person of Christ. It radically transformed my life. It was a relationship with a person. It wasn't a bunch of teachings I got when I was in, in, in Sunday school. As I read the Bible, I saw a person. It was a relationship. I saw what this person did, where he went, and what he did to save me. It was a person. It's a revelation of a resurrected person. A man, right now, that is seated at the right hand of God. But supernaturally, he's right in front of me. That's a revelation. Of the, of the resurrection of, a, of, of Christ. And that's what transforms us. In his death and his resurrection. Some of us, we're still stuck on his death. We're like the, the disciples. We're still stuck on his death. We don't know that we have victory over sin. We don't know that we've conquered death. We're just saying, God, you died for my sins. And every time you sin, you just put his sins back upon that cross. Sometimes we just want Jesus to go back into that tomb so he can die for our sins again. 
We have to we have to have a revelation of his death and his resurrection. In his resurrection, we are free from sin. We have conquered death. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. There is a plan for my life. I am not depressed. I am filled with joy. Because he is risen. He's alive. He's in front of me. He's with me. He walks with me. He cares for me. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I want to end with this. Lastly, the revelation of the resurrected Christ is knowing that he's coming back. Do you know that he's coming back? That Jew with the muscles and the hairy arms and the beard, he's coming back. And he's going to be glorious. Acts 17.31, because... He has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. There is a man. He's going to judge this world. And on this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus is coming back, you guys. And to know and to live in his resurrection is knowing that he is coming back. And it's to not... Live in this constant anxiety of, oh, when is he going to come back? I, you know, I'm struggling with this sin and I just, I, maybe he can come back later. No. It's to know that he is risen. We break off those shackles off of us. And we start living for him. And we realize sin has no power over us. Death has no power over us. He can come now. He can judge this world. What we have to do There's a mission behind the resurrection. We can't forget about that. Every time the resurrection is depicted in the Bible, God gives us a mission. You know that? The mission and resurrection can't be separated. Because He has risen, He gives us a mission. And it's to go out and save His people. It's to go out and bring people into His kingdom. The anointing that you carry, the freedom that you have, the breakthrough from sin that you have is for a reason. It's for a purpose. It's for the mission that He gives you. Change the lives of the people around you. Affect the world for His kingdom. It's not just about your jobs. God gives you a job so that you could do your real job. I want us to close our eyes. And if the praise team come up. And today, I, I, you know, we don't do this often. But, you know, Joe Olstein does this in every one of his sermons. But, and, and. As we, as we pray, as we go into a time of prayer, I just want to ask, and I invite everyone to close their eyes, to bow their heads right now. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. And Joel Osteen does this at the end of every one of his sermons, and he, he sends out a, a call for anyone that who does not know Jesus Christ. You don't know if you're saved or not. You don't know if you have that assurance of salvation. You don't, you don't know if Jesus Christ is Lord over your life. And today, you, you want that assurance. You want to know for a fact. You want to be put on that journey to, to run after the resurrected Christ who is alive. You want a relationship with Him. You want to transform your life. You want to turn away from sin. If there's anybody in here today and you, you're not a Christian and you know God's stirring in your heart for you to come to the Lord. 
A lot of times when this happens, people get really scared. They're like, oh, I don't want people to know I'm, a, I'm not a Christian. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. All I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want you I'm going to give you guys 30 more seconds If there's a a heart in here I don't want you to go another day Without knowing The person of Jesus Christ For those that raise their hands pastor will come to you later we will talk with you and we will lead you into that path into that into the kingdom of God now and and right now I want you to get excited I want you to start praying draw near to him he's right in front of you you know that And I want to do another response for people that you guys believe, but your your belief is not based on the knowledge of a person of Christ. You don't know. You believe in Jesus, but you don't know him. And you want to know him. You want to know him more. There's a grace for it right now. There's a grace over this congregation that God wants to release for you to run after Him. To run after Him. There's a grace for you to break off bondage. There's a grace for you to seek the kingdom of God. If you're a believer, but you, you've been backsliding and you've been putting your relationship with Christ on hold and he, he seems far from you. He seems distant. I, w- I, w- I want you guys to stand up. looking, nobody's judging. Jesus, he just wants to encounter you today. He just wants to encounter you. He wants you to see him and know that he is with you. He is alive. His eyes are on you. He is not far. He's not distant. He doesn't hate you. He's not disapproving of you. He's not condemning you. He loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. So much so that he went upon that cross for you. For the, for, for whatever foolishness that this world has led you into. He's saying, you know what? Just nothing. Nothing can separate you from my love. you guys to raise your hands up in a position to receive because the Holy Spirit the promised one that God Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit if you want a fresh revelation of who Jesus is you need the power of the Holy Spirit you need the revelations of the Holy Spirit. 
You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive, receive. The love of Christ is furiously running after you. The love of Christ is furiously coming after you. It's like a, it's like a wave. It's a, it's a tsunami. It cannot be stopped. You just have to let him in. You just have to receive it. He loves you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to be relational with you. He wants you to open his heart, open your heart to him. And so, Lord, I pray right now upon everyone that is in this place, I pray that you will fill them with your spirit. Fill them with a new a filling of your, of your love, of your joy, of your kindness. standing today I pray for a fresh revelation of your resurrection Lord upon them Lord that they this fresh revelation will fill them up will envelop them will set them upon the path of your righteousness Lord they will see you. Though they, they may not see you with their eyes, they will see you in the spirit and that you are close. You are in front of them. You are hugging them. You are kissing them. You are loving them, Lord. Yes, God. Lord, how amazing is your love for us. How amazing is your love for us. everyone to stay.